You're listening to Helping Your Business Grow, a new podcast from the Mill Enterprise Hub in Drogheda. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Helping Your Business Grow, DeMille Enterprise Hub's brand new podcast with me, Colm Hanratty, founder and CEO of digital marketing agency 60 Digital and proud board member and co-chair of DeMille Enterprise Hub here in Drogheda. If you listened to the first episode, welcome back. If this is your first time listening, I hope you enjoy the show. In each episode, I'll be talking to entrepreneurs from Drogheda and beyond, asking them for their top tips for anyone out there looking to grow their business. I'll also be speaking to a miller, a resident of the mill here in Drogheda. Before we meet this show's guests, let me tell you a little bit more about the mill. We are a supportive community where entrepreneurs with ambition can grow their business. We offer hot desks and office space, but a lot more than that. There's a mentor program, regular events, and by being a miller, as we like to call ourselves, you'll benefit from being surrounded by like-minded entrepreneurs. On this show, I'm chatting to Brona Conlon, Managing Director of La Stoke Distillery and Gin School here in Drogheda. This multi-award winning gin has gone from strength to strength since launching, and right now they have an innovative offering for anyone out there looking to be a shareholder. You'll find out more about this shortly. Then, in our Meet the Miller section, I'll be speaking to Nigel Woods, Managing Director of Amstro, a company that provides bespoke corporate administration solutions together with capital markets and aviation corporate services. But first things first, here's my interview with Listoke Gin and Distillery's Brona Conlon. Brona, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Colm. Delighted to be here. Very good, and thanks for coming on. So now you are the Managing Director of Listoke Distillery and Gin School. Tell us about that. Okay, so, um, well, I suppose maybe just a quick background that uh, from a business point of view, that my training is actually, I'm a nurse and a midwife. So I worked on that for 10 years and I've been in the food and drinks industry now for the last 30 years. So I suppose the, the, the last part of my journey now is where we are, or the most recent part obviously is where we are now with the gin school and the distillery. So we set up this distillery and gin school in 2016, started in a small unit and now we've moved out to our bigger unit now in Tenure in near Monster Voice. So what do we do? We make gin. We make very, very good gin, award-winning gin. So we won Best European Gin in 2018. We won Gin Masters. We won Best Irish Gin over the years. And um, so we have a range of gins that we do ourselves. We do some gin on private label. And then we also have just launched our Wise Isle Whiskey. So um, we haven't produced it ourselves. It's produced up in Dundalk in uh, Great Northern Distillery. But it's a recipe that we've developed for our, for our taste buds, really and for our market that we're heading into, which is obviously the, the export market. So it's all very exciting. Uh, we had five, we had, we suppose, within the last four or five years, you know, we were the first gin school, but then we went into sanitizer. So we've had that experience. We're still making it with the full license to produce sanitizer. And I can't see that stopping anytime soon. And uh, so I suppose this year now, what we're doing is we're focusing right back into our core business, which is our, our gin and producing our gin and our whiskey. And we're starting into our export journey. So it's all exciting. It's all very exciting. It's a family business. Myself, my husband, my two daughters work in it. And it's great. It's brilliant. It's great to go to work every day. 
Very good. Um, I have followed, been following the business now for the last few years. I'm not only saying this because we're on a podcast and also because I know you, but genuinely is that when I get a bottle of gin, um, Listoke is my go-to gin because um, I've tried lots of different other craft gins out there, Irish craft gins out there, and I'm a big fan of them. But it's the Listoke one, which I am the most, um, it's most fond of. There's sort of like, a, there's, is it, there's a unique flavor that I get with the Listochin that I don't get with others. Now, without trying to give away too many secrets, I don't know too much now about gin, but I know there's some sort of core ingredients. Is there an orange? Is orange somewhere in it or something? Yeah. Or um, I think I think really for ours especially, um, one of the biggest things that we would have going for us is our, our actual equipment. And it gives us a really, really premium product every single time. So we use what's called an ice still which is for all intent and purposes, an iPhone version of a dial-up telephone. So it's very, very modern technology. And because of it, we can, we, when we, we, so we, we also do a London dry style. So basically our, we take all our botanicals and we add it into the liquid. It's macerates overnight and then we distill it off the next day. And that gives all the flavor in. And yes, 100% with sweet orange in it. Uh, we're, there's very, very few gins around that actually produce sweet orange. Most would use lemon or a bitter orange, which would be like a Seville orange. But what we, what we do as well is we cut off heads, hearts and tails. But we can take quite a lot of the tails, which is quite sharp. And every every single drop of spirit is used. Our, botanic, our botanicals are recycled. Um, and, you know, so we don't waste anything at all in the, in the product. But we can take our tails aside. And it means that the middle part, which is the hearts of the gin, every single time is always the best flavour, the best um, serve of the flavour coming through in your, in your taste buds. And then we don't cold filter. So when you actually pour a gin, a Listoke gin, you'll get, and you add your ice, it'll actually go like cloudy, which is lushing. And that actually means that the natural oils and the natural flavours are still there very strong. And I think that's where we have the advantage over, um, you know, with the equipment. That's where our equipment really, really plays well with us. Um, it just gives a really good flavour consistently every time. So I suppose what we would say is we have a super premium gin at a premium price. So... Um, and we've done that on purpose. As a business, we've said, we want people to be able to go and buy a gin and enjoy it. So we've made it affordable, but it's not become, it doesn't become a gift. But at the same time, every single time you have a bottle of Listoke gin or Listoke uh, cacao and raspberry or a slow gin, whichever you're having, uh, we just launched uh, Chile Inferno, which is chili and chocolate. Okay. Um, so, any, you know, consistently, the flavours are there. You'll always get the flavour and you'll get the full serve. So the flavour will start at the front of your mouth and, and work the whole way back to the end of it. And um, and that, I think that's where we have, you know, that's where our, our premium can be seen. And premium, absolutely, because I suppose, look, that's why you've won as many awards as you have. Yeah, we, we, we've actually won quite a few awards, maybe about 10 or 12 at this stage. Um, I think one of our favourite is the uh, is the best European gin in 2018. Um, that's a huge accolade for us. We won Best Irish Gin, as I said. We won. We were the only. I think we're the only gin ever in the world to win two gin masters in one year, and that means that we got over ninety six percent of a vote for sixteen different people for two different competitions, and that's huge. I mean, that's that's phenomenal for for us for a very very small new brand. Uh, so no, yeah, we're very proud of what we have, and uh, and we know what we do. We do well. Well, congratulations on on your awards and success to date. Now uh, you've touched on a few things there that I'd like to speak about, but just just quickly, you mentioned that 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 this is the sort of that this is the final 
part of the journey, really. You know, is that the way you see Listoke at the moment? I'm staying in the final for me personally, because if I'm still doing this in 10 years' time, there's something seriously wrong. So <laughs> this is me now doing my, you know, I mean, I've been through, uh, well, put it like this, I'm not far off the list for, for vaccinations coming up. So <laughs> that's, where I, that's where I'm going to put it, leave it at. But um, I know, I mean, really, I mean, I've worked in the different industries. Obviously, I've worked as a nurse for 10 years, but I worked in the food industry for over 20 years. And I am in the drinks industry for almost 10 years. And, you know, what I'd like to see is that this, for me, this business now, Listoke, as a, as a distillery, as a brand, um, and as a company, really has legs. And we can see that, and we can see how we can bring it to that next level. And, um, and that's an exciting journey for us. And when that's done, I want to be able to sit back and just enjoy the gin. Instead of having to work too hard. So that's my plan. So, okay, so the jump from... Um, a medical professional into the food industry. That's a fairly big, and I suppose it's it's a completely changing career and change of direction. Mm-hmm. But since then, it's been to where you are today. So there has been, apart from that major jump, there has been a bit of a path, I suppose, to setting up List Oak now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I mean, real large food company we had. The factory was here in Drogheda for years and years, um, and then obviously it was in the mill. At the very beginning, I was one of the first people into the mill. I was like, I remember first, seeing your hand yet. First on the list, um, <laughs> as a consultant. And then, you know, so I've worked with helping businesses set up in that. And then I was involved in a potching company. And then I was involved in building a potching distillery. And then I ended up with my own gin. So, you know, it has, it is a journey, but business is a journey. And I suppose it's whatever way you, you're facing it. And what you know, do you want to get out of it yourself? And what you see is your, your end goal. Um, and that's, that's what brings you to there. So, yeah, no, it's, it's been a very, very bumpy journey. Don't get me wrong. But you know what? Like it's just been that journey and we just got on with it. That's it. And then, uh, so of course, but uh, Listoke is well known within the country um, and domestic uh, sales, I'm sure, are big. But the international, the export market is huge, I imagine. Yeah. Um, well, we we have, we had sort of started to establish America, but we, we moved distributors now in the last uh, few months. And so we've been a distributor in the States and that's that's really going to make a big difference. They're also going to take in our pink gin, which is the Cacao and Raspberry, alongside our 1777. And they're also taking our whiskey. Um, so the reason why we went down the whiskey route was that we, we discovered that you know going with a gin into these markets was one thing, but going with a gin and a whiskey was just giving that little bit more of a portfolio for people to to buy into the business. Open more doors, really? Open more doors, definitely, but also make it more worthwhile to, um, to you know, for, for, I suppose for an importer. So it's cheaper to fill a container. So if we're filling it with two or three different things, then we can fill it more often and, and it's less expensive then for them to buy and for us to sell out. But the, the whiskey, uh, obviously, I mean, we're plowing the tails of everybody else with whiskey, but... There's a demand for it. There's a demand for Irish whiskey, and and that demand is only just growing exponentially, really. Um, Russia, we've been supplying with with um, gin for four or five years. We got it into through a through a trade show with Bourbia actually, and uh, and they're now taking whiskey as well. So that's brilliant. And now, and literally, once we got our um, a container through the Suez Canal because it was actually stuck for that little while. <laughs> the, really? Yes. No and a photograph of them of the of the container and the red and, the, and all the other containers around us. So that was ours. And we stuck in the middle of the Suez. But um Gloria, I suppose so sorry for the trouble, but it's a story to tell, I suppose, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it you know what? And it just meant that we've all as a result of it, 
uh, we're doing a trade show in China uh, and on um, 7th of May. And just as a result of that, we just ended up having to change things again and things have been moved around and we've got into a different port and we have to land carry it. And But it's all being done and it's all being sorted out. But it's just the challenges of business that comes up every single day. Yeah, it's all a bit of fun. Now, when I think of uh, the Stoke, Look, I think of many things. I think of a nice gin and tonic for a start. But uh, when it comes to uh, on, a, on a more professional or business level rather than personal, um, one word that springs to mind is innovation. Uh, and there's three reasons for that. One is you, Listoke was where you would find, the, was where you found the first gin school in the country. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we were first ever to open. I think we were probably first to build, we're the only ones actually that have just built a gin distillery. So we don't do whiskey. We, we were now selling whiskey, but we, we were the first to build a gin distillery. And part of that then was our um, experience, which is the gin school. And that's been huge and really, really well received. And anybody that's been to it, basically they leave the distillery as uh, absolute advocates of Listoke gin. And if they see it in the duty free, they'll pick it up. And if they see it in the bar, they'll drink it you know, because they'll have been here and had that experience. Made their own bottle of gin, yeah. which is quite unusual uh, we've got about 50 botanicals to choose from so you come and you make your own bottle of gin you label it you brand it yourself and you bring it home with you so um, it's a very different experience now, I haven't been lucky enough to make it out to the gin school yet, uh, but I've heard extreme. Well, I've been out there for events, but I've never been out to make my own gin. So very soon, Brona, I'm looking forward to going out there and making my own gin. Um, I suppose the gin school, fall, the gin school falls into the, the, I suppose what you call it, like the leisure uh, tourism category. So sadly, it's been closed due to COVID. But when are you hoping that you might have the gin school back open again? Yeah, well, um, this is a column you're always welcome out. Oh, thank you very much. Um, and uh, we're actually quite interested to see how capable you are of making a good gin. But anyway, oh, it'll be <laughs> challenge on. Yeah, challenge on. Um, look, we we're hoping. I mean, obviously, it, everything is dependent on on rollout and whatever else. But in our in the back of our heads, we're kind of gearing up towards the end of June to start opening the school again. Um, it's been quite a challenge not to have it because it's been a very very intricate part of our business. Uh, but having said that, look, you know what? We have to do what's right and. You know, come June, we'll be able to open. We'll probably, we have 18 pots, we'll probably open with less pots and maybe try and keep small groups together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but hopefully, hopefully the end of June, we'll see us starting to open again. It's huge from a tourism point of view as well. I mean, we work a lot with Falsh Ireland and with the Boyne Valley Food Series and the Boyne Valley Flavours. So we would have a lot of tourists coming and going that wouldn't necessarily do the full school, but would maybe do a gin tasting and things like that. So it's all it's all very important for us as a business to have these yeah. people able to visit us. Um, so uh, we're, we're, we're really looking forward to getting opened again. Yeah, look, that day is going to come again and this podcast has been released at the beginning of May. Um, and look, maybe people might be listening to this next October, who knows? But uh, so if you're listening to the podcast, anybody who's listening to the podcast today, what we do know is that stuff will be opened again. And if you're open, to the, if you're listening to this podcast in the near future, hopefully at this stage that you will be able to go to the gin school. So either way, I'm looking forward to uh, making out there and seeing how good my gin is. So I'll be able to flex my gin making skills. So now, so, so sadly at this moment, the gin school is closed mm-hmm. due to the pandemic. So the pandemic has obviously given its challenges, but it's also presented its opportunities, which brings me on to the second way that I know that um, uh, Listoke has been extremely uh, innovative over the years is because over the last 12 months, I've seen lots of distilleries um, uh, 
prop, prop up saying that they are making, uh, that they've made hand sanitizer. But Listoke was the first to do it. Is that right? Yes. Um, yes, Colin, we were, I suppose, we, again, back to the Boyne Valley and what we, what I'm involved in with the Boyne Valley flavours. Uh, we, the Thursday, the 12th of March. So we had a tour and we had um, a lot of, a lot of food writers and that with us. And it literally was as, the pandemic was hitting Ireland and all the conversation was happening about what's going to happen next. We'd been, we'd been watching what was happening in the rest of the world. Um, and really on that day, I got up and I thought, if we're bringing these people around to visit farms and whatever else, I thought, well, you know, maybe I could look up quickly and see how I can get something that'll keep us that little bit safer. So on the Thursday, I just literally went into Tesco and got some pumps and I just made up some sanitizer at, at a 65% proof. And just pop them onto the bus with the cells and give them, give them to everybody that was going to be there. I thought no more of it. I mean, it was more just something that I could just do. Because of your background as well, prior to getting into the food industry. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the fact that I've also um, I've survived cancer myself as well. So I'm conscious of you know keeping myself safe as well, to a large degree. But then on the on the Friday, when we realised actually what really was going, what really was facing us, I contacted the revenue and in Dundalk and I just said, look, we can do something here. We can, we can, because we already made it. We can make sanitizer, and we can make it very fast. And they said, in fairness to them, anything you can do to help, fantastic. And that was Friday the thirteenth. We had got into town, got some bottles, and we were selling on the on the next morning, Saturday morning. Right on the fourteenth, because I remember seeing it now. I remember seeing it very early. I didn't realize it was that soon. Yeah, no, no. The the country only went into shutdown on the on the Sunday, really, Saturday to Sunday. But we had started on the Saturday. Uh, selling it to the public and, and not, not only selling it and I, and I really take my hat off to the whole team that were here at the time because the girls were here and we we made so much and we were able to donate so much to charity like we reckoned in the end of it we probably donated over seven or eight thousand litres um, of sanitizer countrywide countrywide you know and, and it was necessary it needed to be done at the time because Sunday morning I remember driving up to Dundalk with, to the hospital and to the nursing homes with, because it run out it was a frightening time for everybody. I still really feel it when I think about it and hear it and, you know, remember it. Hmm. Um, but we were able to do our part. And it was brilliant. I remember actually being on, on, I don't know, one of the radio shows at one stage earlier on and saying, look, you know, we're a very small distillery. We can't do this ourselves. I mean, it's kind of a call to arms. Any distillery in the country can do this. Let's all do that. We, we need to do yeah. this. Yeah. And, and, you know, in fairness, you know, we had the Jemisons and everybody else following very, very fast. But yeah, I... I think for us it was needs must and that I personally felt that I needed to protect my family and those around us um, and 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 knew, knowing that we could help our community. I never thought it was going to get as big as it was, but it was good. It's good. And as I say, we're still doing it and we're still donating um, all the refuges, refuge, uh, women's refuge and homeless and all those. We just supply them all the time, mm. continuously. There's loads of places to, to, to supply. It. But again, and we're selling as well. So we've a lot of primary schemes. Our, our product is different to everybody else's. We went with the World Health Organization uh, recipe, but I I fought to a degree to keep the hydrogen peroxide out of it. Uh, you need hydrogen peroxide in a third world country. You do not need it here. And it's the most lethal part of the of the of the product. It hurts kids' skins, it hurts everybody's skin. It's what gives you your rashes, it's what the smell is terrible. Um, so ours is just literally spirit and botanicals and a little bit of glycerin and uh, immediately dries and like we've found we've found kids with eczema able to use it so that's been really really good for us and you know we'll be able to supply schools and things like that as well 
Very different journey. Very far from gin, but at the same time. Of course. Well, I suppose when it has the um, capability to do it. What I'm hearing now is just that, so the motivation behind it, so it wasn't, I suppose, a kind of business opportunity. This was more down to necessity and needs. That's what it was. It was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, the business was, was just doing okay. We were looking forward to actually, I was supposed to be heading at the end of March to China to sign, sign contracts, uh, which had never happened. Um, it's moved forward a year. But anyway, but at the time, we wouldn't have, you know, I mean, at the time we invested four or five grand in, in, in plastic bottles and stuff that we wouldn't ever use for gin. And I remember driving out the road with them in the van going, well, do you know what? We'll still be looking at these in a year's time. And it was, ne- it was never to be able to do it. It, it, wasn't at the t- at the, it. it wasn't It wasn't for money. It was for, which is why we gave it away so much. Yeah. We weren't charging huge amounts for it. I mean, I've seen some of the costs. There's no need for it. Um, it was more that, it was all that we could. And as I say, it started off literally with that Thursday with the food writers going, you know what, I need to do something here. I need to just make sure everybody's secure and safe. And again, that is that's the nurse's head of me probably. But yeah, and then it rolled out, then it rolled out. And eventually we settled into it being a very, very intricate part of our business, which it still is now, and which we're very glad of. Yeah, and look, surely there's somebody listening to this now that might have some issues with hand sanitizers by way of um, just, look, on myself. Um, I've noticed that over the last 12 months from maybe uh, putting too much hand sanitizer on or washing my hands too much on my own hands have got a little bit too dry. So where can people pick up this hand sanitizer now? It's, well, it's some, it's, there's some retail in town in Drada, but mostly it just go onto our website, the Stoke Distillery. We've, we're, we, everything has gone online, um, which was actually a great move for us because like, we were ship, shipping all around the country. Um, so yeah, you'll get it on, online, no problem. Oh, that's super looking well done. It's a great thing that you did. And yeah, no, hats off to you. Um, so again, it was being what the Stoke was just doing there, being extremely responsive, being innovative. Um, and now at the moment, here we are, just over 12 months later. And um, I saw a news story recently that uh, you are now the first distillery I don't know, well, certainly in Ireland, I don't know if it's the world to be uh, doing something. You are giving people the opportunity to own shares in the business. Tell us about this. Well, I think actually, whatever about the first distillery, I think we're the first business ever to do it. Um, You know, businesses in general would crowdfund. And um, I I think really, it's sort of so, about eight weeks ago, sort of when we came into this year, uh, we were dusting ourselves down and having been knee deep in sanitizer, we're just sort of saying, right, okay, we're ready to launch the whiskey. We're ready to really, I suppose, relaunch the stoke, you know, and focus now on the, on the core business. So we thought, okay, right, we need a bit of fundraising. So we, we do have funds and, and are very secure in the States for funding for brand activation. Um, we have not as much available to us just for Russia. And now we're actually, as I say, with China, is very, very close to starting. And we've, I kind of feel that if we were able to go into China on, in fourth gear, never mind fifth gear, instead of you know, sort of struggling with not any budget, it would, it would really, really help us get established far faster. So we looked back at our options. And again, it's a family business. So we turned around and went, OK, you know, let's do 5% mm-hmm. of the business and put it up for raffle. So it's funny, actually, because we, we were just having a conversation there in the last few days and people sort of said, OK, but what's 5% worth? Um, and I suppose at the end of middle of last year, we were valuing the business just under 2 million. So you know, we, we reckon that 5% of this stage could be the best part of 90 grand. 
But that's only now. I was about to say, well, that's 5% now in 2021. Who knows what it's going to be in a few years? Absolutely. But... But it's funny because I, again, it's maybe this is just me though, but you know, my take on it is, it's the 5%, yes, of course it is. And there will be dividends. And, you know, ultimately, as you've, I've already said, I don't want to be sitting here in 10 years time, you know, ultimately the business will be will be sold and, or somebody will take it somewhere along the line. So there will always be a value there. But I think that's what's really exciting is the journey that we're just starting to on to. And somebody can be part of that. Yeah. And I don't mean, you know, they're the, not coming into work every day. The, the, it's a seizure. But they can be, you know, they'll always get catch-ups. They'll always know what we're at. Do the school, make their own gin. You know, yeah. do what they want to do. Um, but it's very much a, a buzz. It's very much different. And it's, I suppose it's us, yet again, for the third time, outside the box altogether and doing something totally, totally different. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, you have a much, much higher chance of winning 5% of us than winning the lotto. So, it's a good so how, does someone, uh, how does someone win 5% of Listoke Distillery and Gin School? It's well, the raffle's on July 9th. Okay, um, you go basically you go onto the website and there's a link straight to the tickets. Uh, it's 20 pounds a ticket, uh, it's gone through a UK company, and there's a second prize of 10,000 and a third prize of 5,000 as well. There's a good chance, I mean, it is. And but I, th- I think if anybody goes onto the site or, or you know, or follows us on social media, which obviously there's links on social media and that as well, but they'll just be able to see the vibrancy of what we're doing. And the excitement that's going on here on a daily basis, and uh, and say just to be part of that in itself will be phenomenal. I know. Look, I've been I've seen it myself, and whether it's just uh, kind of just very tempting uh, pictures of gin, or if it's shots from uh, the distillery or the gin school, um, yeah, it is a good offering. So best of luck with the campaign. Hope it goes well. And Thank if you. you're listening to this before July the 9th, a new fancy the thoughts of owning a share in the Stoke Distillery and Gin School, uh, log on to the website or follow them in social media for details of how to purchase a ticket. Now, do you know what? We've had a great chat and we haven't even started on these five tips. Um, as well, do you know what? As you, this is only the second episode, so you might not be aware. But in each episode of Helping Your Business Grow, um, I am asking entrepreneurs, well-established entrepreneurs, to share top business tips, five to be precise. Um, and Brona is no different. So, uh, Brona, I've asked you to compile a list and we'll um, go through, you know, well, people, whoever's listening, uh, they've got lots of tips uh, already. I know I have, and we haven't got into them. So I'm looking forward now to get five more. So yeah, we've got five tips. And without uh, further ado, what is your first business tip for someone out there looking to grow their business? Um, well, I've looked at it, obviously, from my point of view. Uh, I suppose if I roll back 25 years plus to my father saying, don't ever leave your good, payable, pensionable job, maybe I should have listened to him. But anyway, <laughs> so my first thing I was going to joke saying, don't do it, but do do it. <laughs> do do it. Uh, if you've got an idea, an idea do it. Um, so my first, my first big point for me is something that I've tried to instill in my own kids as well. And it's a saying, two lines. If you think you can, you will. If you think you can't, you won't. I was given that those two lines back in 1995, 1996, by Pat Falvey, um, who's climbed Everest on a number of occasions. And it, it, for me, it resonates with everything everybody does when they get up in the morning. If your head isn't in the space and you don't believe you can do something, there's no way you can physically do it. You can walk. You're not going to be able to walk. You know. So I think for me, really... That initial, way at the beginning of starting out in business, 
for me, that was a very, very important um, learn, uh, a very important lesson, but also a very important uh, motto, really, yeah. that carried through the whole way. So if you think you can, you will. You don't even need to think about the next sentence because you have to be positive on it. Um, and that's that's probably one of my biggest ones. So it's having that positive mindset um, at the beginning before even getting involved. But as you just said yourself there, is that day-to-day businesses that you get constant curveballs thrown at you you don't know what's going to be around the corner so it's not only about having that positive mindset to go for it in the, in the beginning it's continuing that positive mindset to go we'll get over this the Suez Canal being the perfect example you know so we'll get over this is having that positive mindset of kind of going no we'll get through this mm-hmm. I think it's, it's so so important um, there's always a way it's just to figure it out I, mean, I suppose another another synopsis on it would be the boulder in the middle of the road you spend 10 years with your shoulder against it, seeing if you can push it, or do you just look at it and go, flip that, go around it? Yeah. You know, there, there are ways of doing things. And I think if you, it's it's to have that understanding yourself that if you have a belief that you're going to succeed in doing something, that you can then. But if I got up in the morning and said, I don't know why I'm even doing this, this is never going to work, it will never work. It, it, it can't work. It shouldn't work. It, it just won't. You know, you have to say, okay, many a day, it's really bad, but you have to believe in yourself in the end of that it's going to work. So that's my that's my number one motto. No, absolutely. More than a business tip, it's a motto, but it's a good tip. I keep it in the fridge door in the house. Really, it's um, it is. Look, it's of course something that people can kind of use on day to day basis for a personal and professional reasons. But for professional reasons, look, it is a business tip. Absolutely, you know, it's not having that defeatist attitude and having that positive attitude and kind of go. Do you know what? No, come on, I can do, I can do this. And, yes. and in which case, yeah. you go forth and do it. So no, it's absolutely, um, you yeah, know, it's a, I can it can be categorised either. But in terms of business, no, it's an extremely, um, it's an extremely important important business tip and it could be something that people sometimes overlook they just kind of they don't really look at the core kind of uh, requirements for it they're more looking into finance and about branding and about um how are they going to kind of execute whatever they're looking for and they, but they don't actually just kind of strip it all back and go but what's my mindset here do i actually think i can do this so i suppose yeah look first things first just make sure that you have that mindset no, very good. Good, great tip. <clears throat> tip number two, Brona, what is it? Okay, so I think it's something that I have had to learn over a period of time. And that is when people are talking to you and giving you advice, always listen. Then decide what you want to do with your with the advice you've received, but make an informed decision. You're not always right. They're definitely never always right. But you really need to take everything together and have a core people that you listen to and take their advice, and then make an informed decision. Instead of just going, hell for leather, my business, I know what I'm doing, I'm doing this. Because you'll, you'll trip up, you'll trip yeah. up. It's just not easy, it's just not easy. So I think it's always important, it's always important to listen to other people. You just said there that this is something that you've learned along the way. So you're saying now is that you have to listen to people and if you don't listen to people that you'll trip up is that you're not always going to be right. Go back maybe five, ten years ago. Is this something that you didn't do? Um, oh, tons. Tons and tons of things. Um, I, the list is just forever. I, I mean, I, I think because I've made so many mistakes as, that, as I've gone along, I think one of the big, big things is don't forget, I left school at 18 and was student in nursing. So my training is nursing. I was never trained in business. So when I went into my own business, which was real actually probably was the first big business I went into, I'd done other few bits and pieces. Um, I hadn't been business trained. So I, I, 
you know, and I and I thought I knew everything because I was, you know, early twenties and why not? Like, you know, I you know, I'm really into this. Um, maybe mid twenties, but anyway. Um late twenties probably, and now I'm thinking about it, but still moving on. <laughs> um but I think really, you know, I thought that I would know I knew better on some things and I just didn't know better. And it and you know, as they say, I started off with the real life food company, I started off in the kitchen at home and people would be saying, No, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I go, No, no, it's fine, I'm doing what I'm doing, and then eventually into a unit, and then a little bigger unit, and then eventually build a factory. And I didn't stand back and and listen to what other people were saying and ended up putting myself on just a year's pressure to, to try and and um, and run a factory that needed to be that was huge, you know, in, in Granada. I mean, we got there, but it was hard work, yeah. and, and I was on my own. So, I think if I had stood back and listened to what people were saying at the time, and and really people in the industry, um, because I suppose and it's, it's happened since that I would get somebody to come along and make the mistakes I've been making. You know, there's there's many ways to skin a cat, and there are people there, there are mentors out there who can help. Who, who not necessarily know anything about you or your business, but just may have a little nugget of something to say that you can just sort of go, okay, I need to rethink this mm. again. And again, when I've done it myself and I've been mentoring, I mean, like for me, it's it's an all or nothing. You know, you, you, this is what's happened to me and don't make the same mistakes. And that's that's that I think is very, very important. Yeah, and it's the one thing that people don't tell you or a lot of people when they are setting up their own business. So they set up their own business and they go into a certain industry or they're selling a certain product or they're doing something that they know through and through. For me, digital marketing, right? I know how to run Facebook campaigns, etc. whatever the case is. Um, but now I was running a business. Is that So I set up my business on the back of experience for what I did prior to setting up 60 Digital. But what I didn't do before setting up 60 Digital was run my own business. So run my own business was, and it's, it was like a job that I'd never done before. I could execute on the digital marketing side of things, but then there's all these other things that came on board. You know, you've got in terms of uh, sales, I'd do much more sales than I ever had to do. I had to look after finance, you know, I had to, there was much more, there, there are just different things that it, basically it was a second job that I hadn't been doing up to then. And that job was running a business. Again, this is super advice and the advice is, is that so you look, you can never know it all, you know. So you have to listen to what other people have, and and the other thing as well is that first of all is whatever advice you're going to get advice two ways. Sometimes people are going to him. People are going to just come and give you that advice, and when that advice is given to you, great, you know, like uh, take advantage of it and listen to it. But the other thing is, is is never to be afraid to ask for advice and go out looking for advice. I think as well. Yeah, I, I agreed entirely. Um, I suppose, look, my second and third one would be very, very closely connected. Um, so I'm just going to hit my third one to you now. Absolutely. Uh, continuous learning. Yeah. So, and I think, again, that that's essential. That's, you know, okay, you do listen to other people, you take their advice, but continuous learning means that every, do you recognise yourself every day that you can learn? I mean, every day is a school day. I love that every, phrase. Every day is a school day. But not even that, but put yourself out there, find the course that you need to do. And do a course, do a course every year or do a course every six months, whatever, whatever, wherever you are in your business that you're feeling that you're, you're, um, that you're just not on top of your game with. There's got to be somebody out there that can help. There's got to be a course or, or there's got to be go to the Leo or the or Enterprise Ireland to get your mentor to help with it. Um, and then I think as the business develops, the other big, big thing is to know that you still can't do everything. You know, you, you're taking the advice, you've done your courses you can't do everything 
and yeah. bring in the best people that you can to do the job that you can't do. And uh, for me, especially now, that would have been like, especially now in finance, so even now CFO. And 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 it's it's necessary to accept your own limitations, learn how to understand everything, do the courses, as I say. You know, it doesn't have to be. I'm not talking about doing a master's in business or anything like that because I don't think my brain would ever let me do that. But um, just to do, you know, just to update courses and there's just plenty of them everywhere, and uh, and that that is essential. Continuous learning is essential when you run the business because if you don't, then you. If you don't do it, then you believe that you know everything and then that's where you're going to start. Bad day. When you think you know everything, you think you know it all, that's the worst day ever. I was actually saying to somebody recently is that um, I do some lecturing and at the end of every lecture, there is a scoring card and, uh, well, not so much anymore. It's done through Survey Monkey, but once upon a time, at the end of every lecture, there was a, uh, there was a piece of paper given and I was marked one to four uh, and one being rubbish and four being brilliant. And I didn't like getting the fours because then I was thinking, right, well, there's there's no way I can improve. I love getting the threes because the threes were this was really good, but it meant there's room for improvement. You go, right, well, then, so I would then look back over the content and go, what could I have done better to get that four? But I never really want the four because if I get the four, it means it's all downhill from there. So you always want to be getting that nine out of ten. Nine out of ten is great, but there's that little bit extra. So it's always um, it's always good to yeah, exactly. The day you think that you know it all and you stop learning is, is a bad day. Something which ties these two points really well together is something that you said under point two and something that you said under point three. So something that you said under point two was that you've made many mistakes, right? I've made many mistakes. We've all made many mistakes. Mm-hmm. But what mistakes do is that you turn mistakes into, you turn that negative into the positive and you go, right, well, I'm after making a mistake here, but it's not the end of the world. So what am I learning from that? So mistakes feed into continuous learning. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, and again, that's part of, you know, being your, your business manager. You, you have to recognize that you made the mistake, that you yeah. made the mistake. Can't blame somebody else. You made that mistake, and that you have to say, right? Okay, how am I going to prevent this happening the next time, or what? What action has to be taken to to to, to re- undo it, or or whatever? And I think that's really important to you know. You, it's not a blame game. Like, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're not a manager. No, you you don't. You can't blame anybody else on anything. Yeah. That's, you know, that's your, the bottom line lies with you. So it's you know, and even if you have staff, it's, what's the problem? Why they do that? Because you haven't taught them properly, maybe. Yeah. Maybe because you haven't explained something to them properly. And again, you know, or they didn't do it the way you wanted them to do it. But why? Because, well, number one, they're not you. Yes. They're going to do it with their ability, not with your ability. And I think it's, it's just to see that and to understand that and to say, okay, you know, you've other people here that you have to answer, that they have to answer to you. But, you know, you have to accept that they are who they are as well. And, and that, that's all continuous, continuous learning and continuous recognition. Before we move on to number four, you mentioned the Leo there just uh, in terms of continuous learning. Who have been the different, uh, maybe people, different organizations that have helped with the continuous learning for you as the managing director of Lestoke Distillery and Gin School since you've founded the business? So on that, we're going to go on to number four because this is about it. Oh, very good. Okay, and just as a disclaimer here, by the way, I spoke to Brona on the phone just before I came here. And I said, Brona, we're all okay with the five points. Yeah, great. Okay, I'm launching Zoom now. I'll see you in a second. And I said, right. And, and I said, do you know what the great thing is? And now, look, this is the gospel. I said, the great thing is, I've no idea who, okay. what your five tips are. 
and they're kind of going in. So this is a coincidence. But anyway, yeah, so great. So what, tip number four, what is it? Um, it's not don't be jealous, no. Basically, what we're saying is, well, I suppose, we're, again, is I'm, I'm looking at what I've done and it's utilise everybody. So I'm talking state bodies, I'm talking about the chamber, I'm ta- your local chamber, I'm talking about the Leo, Enterprise Ireland, um, Board Bay. Like, there are so many... Well, certainly for me, your local enterprise hub as well, maybe. Oh, yeah, I'm absolutely sure I've been there, you know, yeah, absolutely. Of course. absolutely. And and the big thing about it is, and especially somewhere like the mill, I have to say, because that made a huge difference for me, is that when you're utilizing these, these uh, bodies, right, you're doing two things you're building a relationship with people that know an awful lot more than you're ever going to know specifically about what you need for your industry, right? And that's essential for you to be able to know where you need to go to get help whenever you need it. And then in building those relationships, you're also meeting friends. You're also meeting like-minded people. So I suppose really in, in utilising all these, these contacts, I mean, as a CEO, dash, owner, manager, entrepreneur person, it's a very lonely place at oftentimes. Um, and I, I'm saying that, and I work with my husband and my, my daughters and, our, and we've other staff as well that come and go all the time. And, I still feel responsible. So you've ultimately got the responsible responsibility. So in going to attending functions with Board Bea, attending functions in the mill, attending functions with, with the Leo, or just do, you know going through training with them and things like that, what you're doing is you're you're bringing yourself to like-minded people, mm-hmm. and you know just having that conversation. Sometimes you you go away feeling okay. I've actually been I've actually been able to help somebody. But more often than not, you go away going, well, I've learned something today from that person or from X, Y, and Z. And and again, like, for example, yesterday, uh, I had an issue trying to sort out the license and things like that for, um, for the whiskey. So I was actually able to, I stood back and thought, okay, I can't get through the Department of Agriculture. What is going on here? And instead of going and getting annoyed at myself, I thought, okay, who do I know that will have done this, that I've met through business? Yep. And I lifted the phone to them and I said, who's your contact? Can you share it with me? Absolutely, Brona, no problem. Came in an email two seconds later, sent the chap in the Department of Agriculture an email five minutes later and it was sorted. Instead of, you know, and it was only because I'd gone there, I'd done that, I'd, been, I'd met these people. So yeah. it's really, really important. It's really important to just put yourself out there and make the time to, to you know, to, to, to be part of things like the Chamber. You know, your local chamber, there's loads of businesses in it that can help. Um, the Leo have been fantastic. Like they, they fund, but they don't they do far more than funding. A lot of supports also. Oh, totally. I mean, mentoring is huge and, and courses obviously and things like that. So yeah, um that kind of I mean, I suppose everything that I'm saying is is how I feel to develop more than maybe is um you know, to develop your business as opposed to just make the business mistakes. But yeah. that's where I'm at with it now. Yeah, and, and something which is um, so like it's 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 having those supports, and in some cases those supports are it could be an organisation or it could be the chamber or whatever, or somewhere like here, like the um, uh, like the mill. As somebody once said, oh, I just love the line. They said that um, that uh, it was another miller, and they said that being somewhere like the mill, we're all basically mentoring each other because we were all startups and we all provided a certain service, but then we also we all might have had a few finance queries, a few HR, whatever it is, is that we're all 
small kind of SMEs, we're all small businesses, and we were there as a support. But something else there as well, which is the importance of having that extended network. So let's say if you come across a bit of an issue, some sort of speed bump, is that just, and I've got, I had one the other day, um, and it's just the two things. So first of all, you're going, right, well, how am I going to fix this? And if you can't actually fix this yourself, that doesn't mean it can't be done. Then it comes down to this. So first of all is the how, and you go, well, I can't do it, but I know there is a how. And then it comes down to the second thing, which is the, well, who? Exactly. Yeah. And you go, right, well, I'll, I'll go to the chamber. I'll go through somebody I know through the chamber. I'll go through somebody that I met at a networking event. So it's just important to, you just open up your list of contacts and you go, who's going to help me come over this issue, get over this problem? Yeah. And I think, on in saying that, absolutely. And you can go, okay, I mean, even like the likes of the Boy Valley Flavors, you know, I mean, there's a network of producers, a network of all owner managers, everybody's in the same boat there. And I think we have to be good to ourselves as well and just say, you know, there are times where I hit a speed bump and I know I can lift the phone to somebody and say, look, what about this? Or just vent. Yeah. Know? That's all you need to make you feel better. Vent, give out. Uh, but the other nice thing about it and the good thing about it, and we always have to remember this as well as owner managers, is that we can help others really really important it yeah. doesn't it's not one-sided and the more that you can do and give a wee bit to somebody that needs it at the time the better you're going to feel about yourself and the easier it is for you to go and make your decisions and for you to be able to drive your business because it's not all me it's exactly. not all me this, we're a little a rising tide lifts all boats if we're all in this we're all trying to run businesses if, and, and I've said this all along and, and I've done it as a mentor but I lo- I've also done it as a as a distillery owner um, and I would be the first to say to somebody look even if they're in competition to me don't do it that way because that's going to cost you do it this way and I've done that and I will do that and I'll take people along and help them and show them now n- don't get me wrong that's the detriment of the business because that would be pretty silly but but it, but at the same time there are little ways of doing things and I think that we have to we have to be good to ourselves as well on that, you know. Yeah, it's just I suppose it's about paying it forward because none of us, are, none of us are expert. I hate that word expert because expert kind of tends to, it gives that sort of kind of uh, kind of it leads you to believe that somebody who's an expert in something knows everything, and you can't know everything. But of course, um, while as business owners, we go to other people um, looking for advice, but at the same time, it's good to be in a position where you can actually give that advice to other people as well. So give something back as well just taking the advice as well I suppose yeah I mean totally I mean even just like the conversation we had when we started on the phone earlier you know we started this conversation earlier you know I'm doing wrath and whatever and what can you help you know can you help me and we, we, we and, and that's important that's important there are people that you can lift the phone to you have to put yourself out first you know yeah. you do have to you have to go onto committees you have to go onto into groups and and so many people are afraid to go into the public media but the but they can go there and just not talk until they're ready to talk. But it's really, really important to go and do it. It's really important to go and attend the the functions and attend the the, the showcases. And um, you know, I just think it's just so important, so important for business and for personal. Yeah, you have to grow that network. Um, okay. Finally, tip number five, Rona. What do you have for us? This is an easy one. Okay. okay. Stop. Breathe. And take time off. Okay, it is. Ask yourself. Yeah. You have to stop. You have to breathe. It's not all about business. It's not all about work. If you don't train yourself to, instead of getting up in the morning and going, 
I have to be in the office for 10 to 9 or half 8 and then I have to be left at half 6 and do a whole day's work and whatever. No, you know what? If you don't want to go into 2 o'clock, don't do it. You know, you have to understand that you have to look after yourself as number one. And I think none of us do that properly. None of us stop and breathe. We're just thinking of what can be next. And um, I mean, I did a course recently with, 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 with a chap called Shane Craddock. I don't know if you've heard of Shane Craddock. Oh. Um, he just happened to be, I've done loads of trying to meditate and all this thing. I've never succeeded. Never succeeded. I'm, t- I'm too highly strung. I'm too, you know, keep going, yeah. keep going, keep going. Um, but I but I found that after the, the year that was last year with COVID and everything, um, that I wasn't being productive. And I wasn't controlling my mind. And I wasn't even in a position to go and do a proper day's work because my What's day was going on everywhere. I couldn't focus so I just said, right, okay, I need to do something. And I think that we need to understand that we control our minds. We need to do a focused day of work. And then we need to walk out of work in the evenings. And we need to have our weekends off. And we need to do things ourselves. And we have to just stop and breathe. And if we don't stop and breathe, we're going to car crash into lack of energy, lack of everything. And I'm jingled head. Exactly. And then you have, you reach, and then that is, it's when you kind of, it's that fear of burning out and just kind of maybe just not wanting, maybe not wanting to, but look, it, it could be a case of not wanting to, but just not being able to because you actually do physically burn yourself out. Something that you just said there is, is key. And I think this is something that people really need to understand is that you said the word training is that you actually can. You can train yourself to be able to, it just takes a bit of discipline, but just train yourself to look after yourself. It's yeah. kind of like that. So it's a, it sounds that straightforward. It is difficult, but it is possible out there. But it is possible, really. We do it. We do it. We do it by walk. Going for, we, we train ourselves physically. Yeah. But we forget about our minds, and that's the most important part to train. And if we if we can accept that, you know, everything that we do is predetermined by how we think about doing it, and and, and this is right back. This what this will do is just brings us right back to point one. If you think you can, you will. You know, if you have your mind there and your mind is saying, I need a, I need a rest, I need, I need to settle down, I can do this, I know that I can do this, and I know that I'm going to have, have a vision in five years' time, I have, and I have one for my business, and I have one for my exit strategy, and I know where it is, I know that the journey is going to be up and down and up and down, and it's going to have all the challenges it's going to have, but I know I'm going to get there. And if I don't have that focus and that belief in myself that I'm going to do that, and take Take it one step at a time to do it, then it won't succeed. So I have to, if I don't look after myself, it's back to put your own oxygen mask on first. If you don't look after yourself, you can't look after your team. And you can't look after your business. That's really important. And for me, it's the, the, the big thing is just breathe. Yeah. You know, if you're sort of going somewhere, just go breathe and you stop and you breathe. It comes down to the fact that sometimes people, particularly business owners, look, there's always a million and one things that you can be doing. And you kind of almost maybe would feel guilty by taking time off because you think, I shouldn't take time off. I should be doing this. But by taking time off and looking after yourself and spending some more time with the family or whatever it is, going out and just, I don't know, going for a cycle, whatever the case is, is that that actually is looking after your business because by looking after yourself, you're looking after your business. Absolutely, absolutely. And you're putting yourself under less pressure and you're putting your family under less pressure. And therefore, you are managing your business. You're not putting your business under pressure. You're managing it at your optimum, yeah. not at your minimum. If you're managing something at your optimum, you're going to make it succeed. And you can only do that if you are 
if your mind is where it needs, is, is in that positive, positive place. And it's not easy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not brilliant. I can do it. I mean, I have my days like everybody else. Everybody does. Um, and, you know, but I, I have started to learn to take more time to myself. Okay. And I'll do it. And I'll go for a walk for an hour and I'll not have the phone on. I won't listen to podcasts. I won't listen to anything. I'll just listen to the birds, you know, right. or whatever. And, and if I don't do, and I'm, I'm not, don't get me wrong, I, don't, I haven't gotten around to doing meditation or anything like that because I still haven't given myself enough time. But yeah. what I'm saying is that I can see the difference in just that, that one word, breathe. I can just see the difference in that and just breathe. Just stop and breathe. And do it. I've done it sitting at the desk, you know, and get myself annoyed about emails and getting things going. What do you do? Get up, walk away, do a circle of the yard and come back in again. Do you think COVID has helped, uh, has been a contributing factor to that? Um, for me, well, an awful lot changed work-wise for us, besides the buy-in, I suppose, but um, I think for an awful lot of people, yes. And it's given and so, so many people more time. Yes, as well for me, actually. Yes, because I've allowed myself to be at home. You know, I've allowed myself to, to go home in the evenings and leave my laptop and work. That's my latest challenge. I've done that three days this week. I'm so proud of myself. Very you know? good. Yeah, and it, but it is a big thing for me. You know, it is a big thing for any owner manager. Any of this listening to that goes, and and no, no, and I leave my laptop here, but I don't look at emails on my phone. You know, with the yeah. laptop's here, that's it. Don't do anything on the phone. Maybe a little bit of Twitter or something to see how things are, but I don't. I don't open ears. Um, and so I think that that whole COVID has taught people. I think me really giving people just time to stand back and see that they don't have to be rushing and rushing and rushing all the time. You know, I mean, driving into Dublin for a meeting, that'll not happen again. Although I love going to Dublin for a meeting because I need to take half an hour to myself and go for a walk. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, but what I'm saying is that it doesn't, it doesn't have to have, we don't have the same pressures, I don't believe. And I think our challenge now going forward will be to not go back to where we were. And I think that's very important for people. And that's going to be a huge challenge because people will slowly but surely they will revert that way. I think face to face meetings. I don't. I think the volume is going to drop, obviously, but I think there'll always be that initial one. But I just and that's important. Meeting people is important. I'm not saying not to do that part of it, but I mean, I just think that the whole frantic work, 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 work. You know, because that's it's in our it's in our head. Like I think you know we've been brought up. You know, even at the weekend, what do I do? Like I go out and spend five hours in the garden. Does have to be doing something that has to stop. You know, you can sit yeah. down and enjoy the garden. You don't have to always be digging or thinking or cleaning or whatever. So I think that's where COVID and where going forward, people have stopped and said, okay, we don't have to be that frantic going forward all the time. Because the one thing that I think an awful lot of entrepreneurs, uh, owners of businesses would like if they could ask for anything, I know it's one thing probably I would ask for if I could have more of. And be just time. Just give me more time. And what COVID has done is actually given more time. Once upon a time, I was getting up in the mornings and I was bringing the kids to school before going to work. Whereas now, uh, well, now at time of publication of this podcast, schools are open again. So I am doing a school run again. But for an awful lot of time there, uh, for a long time, I wasn't doing a school run, which meant that it actually gave me time to go for a walk in the mornings or go for one in the mornings or whatever it is. So, yeah, I've just found that COVID has just given that little bit more time and it's just allowed more time. Now, weekends, for some reason, just really feel like weekends now. Um, and, yeah, just a little bit extra time in the mornings and the evenings to do, as you said, um, to do to do just that, which is your, your fifth tip, stop 
and to breathe. Mm-hmm. No, and yeah, no, I think it's a very important tip and it's a great one to end up on. Um, Brona, thank you very much for coming on to this podcast. Uh, this has been extremely enjoyable and just as educational as it has been enjoyable. So thank you very much. Um, thank you very much for having me. I uh, know it's great. Now, and hopefully for those of you who are listening to this, did you say that the draw for the raffle is the 9th of July? The draw for the year to have shares in the business is the 9th of July. So if you're listening to this uh, before the 9th of July, 2021, and you're thinking, you know what, I'm interested in owning shares in a, in a Stoke distillery and gin school. Um, or if you're looking for um, hand sanitizer, or if you're looking for an extremely uh, delicious craft Irish gin, which is my favourite gin, glad to say. Um, whereabouts should people wanting to do any of the above, uh, whereabouts dish should they go? Stokedistillery.ie. Very simple. Everything's on the Stokedistillery.ie. Uh, we're on Twitter, just at the Stoke Distill, um, Facebook, through the Stoke Distillery, and uh, Instagram, the Stoke Distillery. So, yeah, it's all there. It's all there. Very good. So log on and whether you're looking for one of those three, you'll find all details from there. Brona Conlon, Managing Director of Lestoke Distillery and Gin School. Thank you very much for jumping onto the podcast. Congratulations on your success so far and best of luck in the future. Thank you, Colin. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Meet the Miller on Helping Your Business Grow, the Mill Enterprise Hub podcast. As you might know by now, residents of the mill here in Drogheda are known as millers. So in each and every episode, I'll be speaking to one, asking them about their businesses, how the mill has helped and much more. In this episode, I'm chatting to Nigel Woods, MD of Amstro, an independent financial services firm dedicated to assisting and supporting companies and business owners with all of their commercial and administration requirements. As many of his clients are in the aviation space, the last 12 months have been challenging to say the least. Here I ask him how has he responded to the pandemic and much more. Nigel Woods, Managing Director of Amstro and of course Miller here in the Mill Enterprise Hub in Drogheda. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks Colin. Now, Good to be here. about Amstro. Tell me about your business. Yeah, so in the Armstrong Group, we have a number of different companies uh, within there to specialize on, on corporate services. So we have Armstrong Aviation Corporate Services, which focuses on aviation structures. We have Armstrong Corporate Services, which does a lot of structured finance capital markets for large transactions. We have Armstrong Company Formations, which helps uh, companies set up. We work closely with a lot of accountancy firms helping them set up entities here in Ireland and international companies looking to set up here. We also have Amstro Shareholder Services, which looks after cap tables and investor relations for a number of large companies. Amstro Directorship Services, which provides directors to a number of entities. And then finally, we do some asset finance in relation to helping to, to find different assets for investors. So a few different companies within the group. Okay, so if I'm right, that is six different companies within the group. Is that right? Yes. Okay, of those six, is everything kind of spread out evenly among those six or is there one of those businesses that's more your, for want of a better expression, bread and butter and the other ones are don't take as much up as much time or whereabouts do more of your, um, I suppose, efforts lie of all those six different businesses? Yeah, probably the most efforts is with uh, Amstel Aviation and Amstel Corporate Services and the other entities are, are kind of there to complement, you know, what 
is required within those entities. So if they need, you know, share structures or something um, to, to complement the service, then we, we reach out to this separate entity for that one. So yeah, so mo- most of the most of the work is done within the two two main entities. I'm sort of corporate services and aviation. I'm sure, okay, yeah. and then the other four sort of they complement what I'm sure corporate services and I'm sure aviation uh, brings. Now, yeah. Amstro Aviation, I'll come to that now in a second because of the times that we're living in, in at the moment. Um, when you hear aviation and you think COVID, you just think challenge is one word which comes to mind. So we'll come to that now in a second. But first of all, uh, you are in business three years, is that correct? Yeah, well, the, the idea was formed this time three years ago. Obviously, you know, it takes, takes a bit of time to, you know, get everything in place. So I came to the mill roughly the summer, the summer three years ago. We had to spend a couple of months getting our different licenses, getting everything up and running and really launched, you know, in January 2019. Just before um, we talk about the business itself, what um, were you doing before this? And how did the idea of Amstro come about? Yeah, so I've been always been involved in financial services in Dublin. So uh, I was educated educated locally here in St Mary's, went to Dundalk, got me a county uh, degree there. My first job was in local accountancy practice here in Drada. Stayed there for a couple of months and then moved up to Dublin uh, to reinsurance. Qualified as an accountant there. Moved to a large bank. Qualified as a tax advisor there, and then wanted something different outside the big financial institution. So there was a trust company, a big American trust company, wanting to set up in Dublin. So I came on board there as number two and helped set that up. And then a Jersey Island law firm wanted to set up a trust company here and reached out to me and set up the, their um, office here in Ireland. I was country manager there for 11 years. And while there, you know, it went from a small, uh, small run legal practice where you had a, a full insight to, to becoming private equity owned and a lot of things changed in the last couple of years. So we just said I wanted to take destiny into my own hands and we wanted to be able to be more dynamic and to create something that was um, a little different, but a little more bespoke. Okay, so obviously before setting up Amstro, an awful lot of experience in the financial services. Was it always a goal? Was it always a vision for you to set up your own business or did it sort of happen by accident or how did you kind of plan to where you were? Yeah, but, you know, when when I was studying to be an accountant and all that, I always thought, you know, I'd have my own accountancy practice. Um, obviously, I diversified into more corporate services and setting up structures and, you know, more tax structure and stuff. But it was, you always felt, you know, when you're in the big corporate, your own destiny isn't in your own hands. You know, and it can become frustrated. You're putting in a lot of errors, but you're still kind of getting the same salary. You're still, you know, there's nothing dynamic about it. So there's not that freedom, you know, freedom to, to work, freedom to be creative, freedom to get rewarded, you know, on new business that you're bringing in. So it's not exactly so, yeah, look, it's the same with so many entrepreneurs, so many business owners. They like having their own business because their destiny is in their own hands. You know, if there's any opportunity to expand the business or to earn more or whatever it is, is that you have that control. You have that, I suppose, uh, you've got full autonomy because it's your own business. Something that you've mentioned there is uh, having destiny in your own hands, which kind of brings me on nicely to every now and then something will happen 
when destiny isn't in your own hands. And one of those things is the pandemic. COVID came out of nowhere um, and it has changed the world. In many ways, it has changed the world um, immediately. Almost overnight, the whole working from home thing, I think, is going to be here forever. I don't think we're in a new normal. I hate that phrase, in fact. Uh, And I don't think there's anything normal about both of us being right now in the mill, in Drada, and having to record us in separate rooms over Zoom, you know, like that's not normal. And But that's because of the pandemic. So, yeah, so obviously being a business owner, you've got your destiny, destiny is in your own hands. But then when you provide a huge amount of services to the aviation industry, and then something like uh, COVID happens, to some extent, initially it might feel like um, destiny isn't in your own hands, you know, because it's, it's force majeure. So how have you reacted to COVID in terms of the services that you're offering, particularly to the aviation industry? Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, no, one, no one predicted what was going to happen in 2020. You know, we had a great 2019 year. We were working on new transactions at the start of uh, 2020. And then, you know, by March, everything was just put on hold and, you know, down tools in relation to aviation structures for a while. So we spent a lot of time talking to people, you know, just keep keeping in touch with people, seeing what was going on in the market. And luckily enough, you know, a few new opportunities came away on the aviation side in relation to, you know, more cargo air- aircraft were required. So people were reaching out, trying to get cargo aircraft to deliver PPB. Governments were, you know, mandating their government-owned airlines to go and, go and find these cargo aircraft. So with the Russell Finance Unit, we were able to help out in that that piece of business as well. We're able to do a couple of uh, cargo transactions and, and then also people fell in love with private jets again because they still wanted to travel around. So private jet structures came popular as well. So so while passenger aircraft, you know, falling off, have been sitting on the ground, there's lots of activity in the background going on. While um, COVID has given its challenges, it's also presented opportunities as well. Yeah, and that's on the aviation side, on, on our corporate services side, like, you know, we've seen we've seen a lot of people setting up their own businesses and saying, look, I'm working from home for these clients. You know, I don't need to be part of something else. So we've seen lots of people setting up their own businesses within, you know, this time, especially in the IT sector, people reaching out and just saying, look, I'm at home here walking away. I can do this on my own. I have my clients, you know, so it's it's been an opportunity there. So we've seen lots of new activity in that space. People reposition themselves. People, you know, working out what to do with their investors and whether to get themselves ready for some kind of some kind of sale in the future as well. So on the corporate services side, we've seen a lot of activity as well. It's great, I suppose, so it's keeping you busy. For these opportunities, particularly on the aviation side of things, are these opportunities that have come to you or are they, are they uh, ones that you have won by way of going looking for them, I suppose? So whereabouts is your business coming from? Is it like word of mouth or um, whereabouts are the leads coming from? Yeah, so probably a couple of different things. So obviously we can't pound the streets. We do pound the streets in 2019 when we launched for a lot of months, you know, and reaching out to a lot of our contacts um, through the intermediary network as well. We're fairly well known with, you know, Irish law firms, Irish tax advisors, Irish accountancy firms. So, you know, we get referrals that way. And sometimes it is pure luck. You know, you're talking to somebody at, at a conference and they say, oh, we're, we're setting up in Ireland. Yeah, let's reach out, you know. So and fewer business has been won that way. So, yeah, there's a couple of different channels, you know. Are mar- trying. To, it's very hard to try and do marketing, you know, in the, in the COVID period. So 
everything is done through Zoom, keeping in touch with the contacts, seeing, you know, the more you speak to people, you realize what, what their problems are. And we're kind of in the middle, you know, because we can, we can have access to, you know, lots of lessors, lots of private equity guys, you know, and try and match people up. So I, I, I suppose one thing that I'm kind of getting from this is, and it's something which I just know myself from running my own business for the last few years, is that having an extended network is key to the growth of your business. Yeah, definitely. You know, when when you're going out and own your own, people say there's probably three things you need, contacts, knowledge, and, you know, you know a good understanding of the business. So contacts, I think, is, is very important. Now... I suppose putting COVID aside, because COVID probably is the obvious answer to this next question. So let's just put that aside for a second. Uh, and let's just think about just new business, uh, different things that happen when you're setting up a business. What have been your biggest challenges since launching? Probably the biggest thing coming from a large corporate was you had to do everything yourself, you know, and you had to get up to speed, on, you know, IT, social media, marketing, you know, getting operations up and running, getting the right software. While, you know, in a big corporation, you have different departments doing all that for you. But now you have to be, have to be knowledgeable on all the different areas and decide where to, where to pick and where to outsource, you know, some of that, some of that uh, information. So that was the hardest point at the start. Being in the mill here was great because you can leverage off a lot of different people with different experiences and entrepreneurs and they they might guide you down one route saying well this is who i use you know have a go work with them which was which was brilliant like i suppose yeah which just kind of brings me on to my next question so how have you managed that how have you transitioned from being in a position where you had that support to being in a position where you haven't you've kind of touched on that a little bit obviously which is great the mill here has been a support for you but just tell us a bit more about that going from that large organization to going to your own business and not having those different departments that you can tap into. How have you managed going from one to the other? Yeah, so, well, you know, so many areas I was quite efficient in, like obviously I'm a qualified accountant and everything. So the finance and operation side was, wasn't was too bad. And I'd set up, you know, I'd set up two trust companies before. So getting things off the ground and having the knowledge of who to contact quickly was, you know, fine, you know, from an operational point of view. It was, you know, where to reach out, you know, the marketing, what's the best way to do it, you know, what systems to use, CRM systems, how to capture everything. So talking the more people you talk to, the more ideas you got, you know, what what to use, you know, whether it's a CRM system, uh, even local marketing, who's gonna do your web design, who's gonna do the different brochures and the whole lot. So it was a uh, yeah, you have to talk to a lot of people and talk to people that are in the kind of same situation that you are. Instead of talking to a big corporate, I use a big firm in Dublin. It's working locally with um, with providers. Absolutely. And I can kind of second that. And that since I've been in the mill, you could be going out. Obviously, let, let's let's talk about pre-COVID times, now, when the place would have been busier, and going out to grab a coffee, and then you'd meet another business out there. And you just realize being in a building with so many other businesses that everyone has the same challenges. It could be HR challenges. It could be uh, finance. Um, or in which case there could be a void that needs to be filled in terms of you might need to provide a particular service to a client that you don't offer. But in which case then there's another business in the building which does offer it. So yeah, I suppose this is a, it's one in one clean swoop, I suppose, by having your business in here in the mill or in any enterprise around the co- country is that that network is grown 
enough lots very, very quickly, which then, of course, provides that extra support, which is what all entrepreneurs need. Definitely. What has surprised you most since launching? Probably how, how quickly time has gone, gone by. You know, it's three years already since we, since we, you know, came up with the idea and made the decision to to set it up, and it's it's literally just flown by. Like you know, so they say the first three years is you know the most critical part of it. So you know, time, how fast time goes, is probably one. And you know how how well we're received with large corporates and and small entrepreneurs as well. Like you know, looking to set up Irish operations, you know they feel as if they're talking straight to the decision makers and people with a vested interest in making sure their their project goes well instead of you know some kind of sales rep or something like that. So so we got a got a lot of traction and surprises in that sense where we thought you know large clients might want to go with a large you know corporate service provider but instead they're choosing uh, choosing smaller corporate service providers who have the expertise and in covid you know they found out and um, we've you know heard on the grapevine that a lot of people are struggling you know dealing with junior people in other organizations not having access to their senior people and everything is a lot slower while with us you're dealing with you know senior people yeah, and again, I can second that as well. It's a somebody once put us. It was in a different space, but it kind of um, it's similar. It's that in terms of David and Goliath. Years ago, people wanted to work with Goliath, you know. So let's say um, they wanted to work with the larger corporate corporations, and whereas being David, being the smaller business, it just didn't really work. But whereas now. Is yeah, you've just summed up why working with David is actually uh, I'm sorry, of working with the smaller smaller organization helps because you're not sort of pitched to by the senior person. And then when it comes to actually delivering the service, you're going to something a bit more junior. Is that the person who is the senior person that's pitching to you and can tell you the service that they're offering is also the person that they're dealing with. So people feel that they're, and well, they also know and they are being uh, serviced by people that have got an awful lot of experience. So being a smaller organization, yeah, it helps. Uh, it helps kind of hang on to clients and people like it. Yeah, and especially... COVID has kind of highlighted that, you know, you don't have to have big fancy offices in Dublin. You know, it's more to do with the service and delivery and, and the people you're dealing with. 100%. Um, in terms of what surprised you, you mentioned that you've surprised, uh, what surprised you has how quickly those three years have flown by. But how quickly, I suppose, this is just for, for anybody out there, right, who is thinking that they haven't set up a business, and they're thinking about it. And uh, I'm speaking now to somebody who who um, has just set up their business recently enough, I suppose, is that how long or how much thought went into actually coming to the decision that, do you know what, I'm going to set up my business? Is this something that you were stewing over for a year? Or is it something that kind of hit you maybe once at the beginning of October and then at the beginning of January, you said, yeah, let's launch a business. So turnaround time was three months. So how much time was put into making the decision of setting up your own business? Yeah, probably seeing, you know, there was one or two others um, in our space that, that would have set up independently. And we were looking, was always looking at them and, and amazed how well they were doing, you know, compared to big corporates. Um, so that kind of gave, gave us hope, you know, saying that it can be done. Uh, and there's there's only you know since three or four of us there are kind of independently owned and all the rest are all private equity owned in in kind of airspace. So that was that was encouraging. And then you know 
nearly you were nearly pushed into it because you were there saying, "Okay, am I going to stay stay here for another five or six years?" And then it's going to list, and then you know you don't know what's going to happen, or is it time now to you know, am I at the right age to go and do this? Do I have you know enough contacts, and you know, can we do this? And the minute you make that decision, it's fairly it's a fairly quick process because. <laughs> <laughs> You have to you have to go straight into it. And, you know, once you once you hand in that letter, you're you're on your own, and, and that's it. And that's it. Then hit the ground running. Um, yeah. So again, to anybody who's listening and is thinking of launching their own business, what piece of advice would you give to someone who's thinking of taking the plunge? Um, probably, you know, there's a there's a number of different aspects. So you know, a do you have a, even a small client base to start off with? You know, is there people there that you can, they're already working with that you're saying, look, they might be able to, you know, leverage off me doing this, this a better way. So that's, that's one. The second one is, you know, don't be naive about, you know, the cash born. That's, that's most uh, biggest failure of, of new startups that, you know, and even ourselves, when we we're starting off, we thought everything was going to be great. You know, year, by the end of year two, we we're going to be, you know, massive. But, you know, obviously COVID hits and other things hit. But, but definitely be realistic about the cash borne of your startup. Plan for three years and see what external financing you need to get. You gave one key piece of advice there because it's something which just kind of settles the nerves is that if you are going to set up your own business, it's always good to set one up with, with, with one kind of client or maybe even two there to go off and actually start with as opposed yeah. to kind of starting your business and then just go right so I've, uh, I've got my logo I've got my business I've got my website now all I need is a few customers you know in which case then uh, it could be a bit more difficult whereas instead if you actually have the customers there and then you go do you know what they're the foundation for my own business I think I'll actually go off and set up my own business so yeah no something similar happened with myself and that. Um, I suppose it, I, I was doing a couple of Nixers, um, and then they became the foundation for setting up the business. So no, it's very good advice there. Um, now, the services that you offer, Nigel, are services that I'm sure out there uh, many people uh, need because obviously there's different, uh, particularly in terms of uh, setting up new businesses and other services and the kind of um, or sort of administrative uh, services that you can offer. So if somebody is looking for these services and thinking that you might be able to help them, how can they find out more information about uh, Amstro? How, do, how can they get in touch, etc.? Yeah, well, obviously, the, the first point of call is our, is our website, you know, Amstro.com. Um, all the information is there, our, our emails, our contact numbers. So, you know, even if people are, are thinking of setting up and just want to have a, a quick chat, you know, more than happy, love speaking to, you know, entrepreneurs, people, you know, willing to take that, that risk and just trying to guide them and, you know, simple things like, you know, the grants you can get, um, how to set up the company, what's the best type, what the kind of services you're going to need, you know, and a bit of cash flow modeling to work out everything, you know, so definitely get in touch if, if anyone wants to. Very good. So huge range of uh, services that you can offer there to somebody who is, um, to even thinking about it, I suppose, like in whether or not they're actually ready to go ahead, they might just be thinking about it. So in which case, log on to amstro.com and it's A-M-S-T-R-O-W.com and Nigel will be more than happy to answer your queries. Nigel, thanks for jumping onto this Zoom call to do this interview for 
Demail Enterprise Hub's podcast. And best of luck with everything in the future. Thanks, Colin. It's been a pleasure and great catch up. That's it for this episode of Helping Your Business Grow. Thanks again to our guests, Brona Conlon of Lestoke Distillery and Gin School and Nigel Woods of Amstro. I hope you've picked up some tips from listening to them. I know I have. Don't forget, if you're interested in learning more about DeMille here in Drogheda, what we do and how we help entrepreneurs grow their business, log on to themilldrogheda.ie for more information. I'll be back again in two weeks with the next episode of Helping Your Business Grow with me, Colm Hanratty. Thanks for listening.